0: Welcome to the Gold Silver Pros podcast with Rob Keens, your precious metals podcast for interviews, breaking economic news, and more. Today's episode: the silver spot price scheme is breaking. Commodity money returns, featuring Ian Everard of Arc Silver. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keens with GoldSilverPros.com. We are recording this on the twenty fourth of March. 2022. Uh, this one should go up tonight. You should see it same day. We have our returning guest, Ian Everard, who runs ARC Silver, and a very good friend of mine whom I met in New Orleans last year at Brian London's conference. And that's the benefit of going to conferences is all the great people that you meet. Uh, we trust Ian so much that we want to have him on every couple of weeks and get his views on the market. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about what it looks like in the wholesale market, uh, because Ian does deal with that a lot as a silver business and uh, many other topics that we'll talk about today. Ian, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks, Rob. It's good to see you again. Friendly face.
0: <laughs> yeah, good to see you. And we were talking before the program about uh, the market and what you're seeing. Now, I've, I this is something I've been predict, predicting for a long time, and I think it started to happen, but it's very under the radar and people don't know. So tell us what's going on with spot prices on the wholesaler side.
1: They are just going up. Hmm. Basically, um, I, I normally ring round three or four wholesalers and another guy mm-hmm. and I can get a good deal together. Um, now, I've only got one good deal on one ounce rounds that I can find and that's the Armenian Noah rocks, Noah's Ark. Um, mm-hmm. and that's it. Everything else, the Britannia's Philharmonics, crew maples, kangaroos and eagles just gone crazy, and I find it hard to advise people to even buy them at the current premiums.
0: So the premiums have gone up, and then the premium is the difference between spot and what that dealer is going to sell it to you for. It's a markup. You could call it bid F spread or premium spread or whatever you want to call it, but in practical terms, it's what above spot you're going to pay to get it off of that dealer. And a lot of people don't know this. People see the dealers, like yourself or all these other companies, Atmex or whoever, And they see that, the price, and they're like, why am I paying $40 for a Silver Eagle right now when silver's trading at 25 or 26 bucks?" And it has to do with availability, but it also has to do with the wholesale market. There are a few big wholesalers in the market that take the big silver and distribute it out to to all the businesses like yours. And I know that you have some preferred agreements with some wholesalers, but not only are you noticing higher premiums or end prices to the end consumer, uh, Ian, but you're also noticing that some of the spot prices are different. Talk a little bit about that. I thought spot was determined by a combination of the COMEX and the London market. You you see something going on in the wholesale market, which is different.
1: Yeah. I mean, my reference point, being a Brit, I always watch the London market. Mm-hmm. I watched the London spot, which is updated every five seconds, apart from the weekend break. So it's 24 hours a day. And then I usually use NABX, which you can look up online NABX.com, You can look up, they show their live um, mm-hmm. spot but there's been a divergence. Um, So some of the wholesalers, their spot can vary from just below London to Mm -hmm. 50, 60 cents over. So in in effect, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, hedging and whatever, but what it does is adding a base load to the premiums as well. And so, because at the end of the day, the, the retail guy just wants to know what am I gonna pay over spot?
0: Yeah, and so different wholesalers having different spot, what does that mean? Is that opportunities for them to source a silver? Does it have to do with maybe the retail price is not indicative of the actual supply-demand dynamics? Or what's causing each of these wholesalers, excuse me, let me turn my phone off. What's causing each of these wholesalers to have different spot prices?
1: I think there's many reasons, Rob. Um, one of them would make sense to me that supply is short. So mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of the secondary wholesalers are only getting half of what they ask for and they're not even getting it every week. So that's erratic. So if they've got less product to sell, they've got to make a higher margin to, to pay, keep a keep roof over the head, pay the staff, pay all of the fixed costs that uh, a larger company has. So that could be one one reason. Um, I, I would prefer if we all stuck, we all chose one, that's, that is spot, and then we say what our premium is over it, both wholesale and retail, That that's what I would like.
0: Yeah. uh, It's interesting. We've talked about that dynamic probably dating back to last year, but really during silver squeeze of last year, when you saw Wall Street silver come in, you saw people going into the SLV and putting pressure in the London market uh, where SLV sources its silver ounces off that London OTC, 110 million ounces in three days. I think the last couple of days of January and the first day of February last year. Um, And what you saw was a squeeze on the silver stocks. And ever since then, I've been basically saying – this is going to happen again, but what we're going to see is like a little canary in, in the coal mine is you're going to see higher premiums like we are right now. So silver is trading at whatever it is right now, 25 26 bucks. but you're seeing $40 silver eagles. And yeah. even the rounds have gone up in price. The premiums have raised, and that tells you that the the, the spot prices are not realistic to the actual physical market. But I think we also said you're going to see pressure on the wholesalers, and I think what you just said is what's happening. The early stages, perhaps in a pressure on the wholesalers to, to stop this. You know, if this gets sort of out of hand, let's say massive industrial and investment demand comes in, what's going to happen to that wholesale market? Do you think they're actually going to stop delivering silver or do you think they're just going to shoot the price up, you know, to deal with, with that increased demand?
1: Yeah, the, the cure for low prices is low prices. The price mm-hmm. rises and in a semi-free market economy. Mm -hmm. And that's what most dealers are going to do. And so my biggest problem is getting replacing inventory. um, Because once I've bought it, I'm in control of what I sell it for. Mm -hmm. If I'm buying Mm -hmm. to match orders live, then I'm not so in control all of a sudden. Uh, I can ring up for a product and then 10 minutes later, that's either not available or the spot has jumped 50 cents. And -hmm. often that 50 cents is my margin. And on a large order, it's more than my margin. So Mm -hmm. I've depleted my kilo bars, just have 13 left in my local depot. Those Mm -hmm. are going out today. I have some up in Idaho and Nampa in a private vault. Those will be going shortly. And now my replacement cost is more than I've been selling them for. So unfortunately that'll be a jump in, in the price I can offer them for. So um, the Kilo perhaps,
0: bars are scarce. What other, Are there any silver deals right now for, for our stackers in the audience? What silver deals can, can you offer?
1: What are you seeing that's still available? Um, as of last, last evening, I can do these Armenian Noah's Ark for $4.92 um, over London spot. So, so okay. that's probably about $4.50 compared to over most of the online big guys. And I think I saw at Atmex where had these for ten dollars over and they have an inflated spot as well.
0: Okay, so just to recap that you could get it about four fifty over what most people commonly see as spot, four ninety-two over yes. London version of spot. But that's yeah. cheaper than like the ten bucks over that you saw at max
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, so you're still a lot cheaper of than online... people
0: and you're just you're still passing oh, all yes. the savings along to people.
1: I'm passing along. This is this is my advertising budget. My advertising budget is to just any any deals I can get, I pass them on, and mm. I'm building a client-based building company rapidly. We still have the famous 40%. I did just receive the, I just cleaned out pretty well all of the wholesalers that I work with. So mm. I now have more 40% than they do, way more, and I can still do that at 99 cents. So officially the cheapest silver on the planet, as you said the other week, Rob. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the so cheapest silver on the plant you're going to get from any retailer, 99 cents over spot on 40% candy halves. And for people that may not be American and watch our audience, it's about 28% of our audience is not in America. The Kennedy uh, were one of the last coins in the United States to actually have silver he content lost. in them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it up to like 1969 when they did those and then they?
1: Yeah, 1917 commemorative sets, but 69 in circulation.
0: And I think it was 65 where they did it in the dimes and the quarters, right? They took the silver out back in 65. Yeah.
1: Pre 64 and back was 90%. Uh, and then I have got coming live war nickels. So they're 35% silver. And I'm doing those at $2.50 premium, which is half the retail premium. Of so to describe the war else.
0: nickel. Uh, people may not be familiar with that. Regular nickels have nickel in them, right? Well, I, yeah. So these had silver in them. Was it. But, is it commemorative to the war, or what? I what's the term? War. Nickel? Yeah.
1: Well, the 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 reason given was we needed a lot of nickel because nickel was used as to alloy in steel. It makes it a bit more resistant to shells and and, and attack. It toughens up steel tremendously. Uh, used widely in stainless steel. Um, it actually the, taking the nickel out of the coins actually only provided I think it was just one or maybe one percent of the nickel that the US used in World War Two. So you could say it was a token effort. Um, but the good news is it now gives us uh, a coin um, at a credibly low premium with history. And you get 20 so $1 worth, 20 of the war nickels have one and one-eighth of silver in them. And even better, the rest is copper and, and manganese. So let's talk about something you mentioned a minute ago before we talk about
0: copper and manganese. So you're saying during the war effort we needed nickel, so we put silver instead of nickel back then. Yeah. Fast forward to just last week, the LME market in the yeah. UK blew up on nickel. At the same time, Russia's invading Ukraine. Yeah. It's interesting to see how that happens. You had this big Chinese short on the, on the LME. JP Morgan's in there trying to help bail them out and help keep them solvent. Uh, it really questions whether the LME is doing things above board in terms of its commodities, which I think benefits China and the Shanghai market because it may move some trade over there. But it's funny when we have a world conflict, all of a sudden nickel blows up. You know, that's not the first time it's happened, yeah. as you mentioned.
1: No. And it's an incredibly essential metal, not just for the uh, green, green energy, so-called mm-hmm. revolution, electric vehicles. It's crucial for stainless steels, crucial for other steel alloys. So, yeah, it's a product we cannot cannot do without, if we're going to have any form of an industrial economy.
0: Yeah, agree with you. And you mentioned copper-manganese. I'm not a big uh, expert on manganese. But I know copper at some point hit like 10-year highs. Maybe it's more. I mean, it's going and, – and I predict copper is going to be a huge market. You know, yeah. Just for a second, getting to regular coins, not silver, I think it was pre-'82, pre, it was a pre 82, our coins – our pennies had copper in them. Yes. I think that ended either 81 or 82. Yeah. So now if you get a penny that's after that, it's primarily – isn't it zinc primarily in, in our pennies it's- now?
1: It's either zinc or steel. Yeah. In, in the UK, they turn to copper plated steel and mm. they rust. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: And and with, with zinc blowing up, maybe they get rid of zinc because zinc, I think, is a 14. Yeah.
1: Some, at some point. Yeah.
0: yeah. Eventually, we're, we're just not going to have coins, are we, Ian? I mean, once we get to central bank digital it's, currency, it's they're not going to be able to put yeah. metal, any type of metal it, in coins anymore. It's
1: interesting, interesting you say that, Rob. I was in my bank yesterday and i have put in a standing order for my maximum allowance of half dollars and nickels mm-hmm. and i'm just going to keep drawing them out because i predict by the end of next year there will be no more new us coins issued unless i make them out of plastic but even that might be too expensive for the face value <laughs> <laughs>
0: because oil and plastic comes from oil yeah. right
1: yeah, and I mean, you, you look at these, these incredible pieces of engineering. The outer layer is 80% silver, 20% copper. Then they have an inner core, which is 20% silver, 80% copper. So it's a three layer process, uh-huh. you know, of a, two different alloys to make the, the sheets that these are stamped out of. The cost, if I wanted to make these as a product, it would probably cost me half a dollar minimum t- to oh. make one. And so even the modern dollars, they're 9% nickel and the rest is copper. I think by the end of this year, the metal value will be more than half a dollar. That's why I'm buying them as fast as my bank will let me. And they yeah, cut my allocation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. If you can't afford gold right now, you can get into silver. And we bring in on because he does have the cheapest silver on the planet. When he can get it, it's not in every issue. You know, he can't, like AppMex offer you $0.99 cent silver on everything because it's just not available. But he finds the deals that other people don't. He doesn't mark it up as much, and he, and he passes it on to you guys. So if you just want silver, you know, stick with Arc Silver. Get, they'll provide you opportunities to get silver the cheapest. But I'm wondering, Ian, if for people who can't even afford that, but like, you don't have $30 and, you know, 20, 25 to 30 bucks to buy some silver every month. Go get regular coins. Go yep. get old nickels. Go get them. Yep. Go, you know, go do like you you said and buy your allocation of nickels, or go get yep. old pennies. One thing I used to do: we keep a change jar in, in my house, and I'll give it to my kids and say, separate out the nickels. Look for any old constitutional silver pre 1965. We don't find those very often anymore. Gresham's law: bad money's driven out the good. But we do do the pennies and the nickels. So pre 82 pennies and nickels we keep, and I've got a big jars of those you know, that eventually it's going to be worth a lot of money and it may be, you know, five, 10 years. But if we go, you know, if we have more hot conflicts around the world, I think the prices of those metals are going to spike up. Don't you?
1: I I think it's not going to be five or 10 years. I think probably maybe next year they're going to be worth Mm. um, a a lot of purchasing power just as a token for bartering, right? Because you you can't, it's going to be incredibly hard for somebody to fake the U S constitutional coins. And at the moment it's a serious federal, federal offense. And you're going to, Mm -hmm. spend the rest of your life in prison if you get caught. Mm -hmm. So they're incredibly useful as a trading token. Um, Mm -hmm. i give credit. I have one client who has bought thousands of these. He's cleaning them. Which one are you holding
0: up right now? These
1: 40% 40 Kennedy halves. He's bought thousands of them. He's cleaning them, putting them in tubes to hand out in his community Mm. to people who are on fixed or no incomes who have no ability to trade Or buy food so they can start uh, barter amongst themselves but have a token that is incorruptible (laughs) practically incorruptible we need need no internet you know you need you you just need to understand but if it's a 65 to 69 it's worth x units of labor or how many eggs or 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 whatever you have to trade or you know whatever you can grow one of these is worth 12 tomatoes people will soon work it out and it will bring a fairness to trading and the banks won't be taking a cut of it i mean every transaction we do they're creaming off two three four percent every transaction
0: they're money changers that's why jesus threw them out of the temple Ian is yeah uh, they make money on the trade
1: yeah well extortion as well i mean heck it's useful to have a banking system Mm. but in, in i mean from the figures i saw years ago the banks used to charge 0.6% of the money that went through their hands was a typical on a yearly ratio. That's when you had people writing the ledgers by hand. You had offices full of people writing all the ledgers by hand, no computers. Now, on average, they take 6% of the economy. So they're taking 10 times the take when the technology means they're doing a tenth of the work. And so... Yeah one, yeah one way we, we can get around that is to start our own local trading system find something like these I mean heck, buy the half dollars now because they will be withdrawn and you, you'll have a set of tokens in your community and your friends that you can trade with or you know if you, if you don't need to, heck you can play games go play game poker with them you know?
0: <laughs> yeah you know I, I don't think right now I'd play games with any physical commodity because i'm afraid they're going to go up but i would love for people to, <laughs> to donate. but i agree with you 100 i agree with you i think they're going to come back in a vogue and i think it's going to be the secondary market and i just had this conversation with friends this morning over breakfast you know i'm down here traveling meeting uh, some business partners and stuff and we talked about that very topic in and these are people who some of them are millionaires and they live a fluent lifestyle but they were talking about the alternative to central bank digital currencies which is what yeah the central banks around the world are going to try to shut down our throat, which is a centralized controlled digital money without the limits of the bond market, without the limits of any sort of constitutional protections that's going to allow them to to increase value or decrease value whenever they want and take all the hands out out, out of the individual and put it into the state and into the banks. And the only way to get out, there's only a couple of ways is to have physical products, all the physical product we've been talking about, whether it be copper coins, silver coins, whatever, it's going to be the only way in which you can transact outside that system and maintain your value over time. Yeah. Uh, when you're trading your labor for some sort of monetary instrument like silver, gold, copper, nickel, whatever it is, you want that instrument to meet Aristotle's five characteristics of money. One of those is being that it retains valuable value and that it's fungible so that you can trade it in, in big or small amounts and trade it equally with someone else Who's trading that same thing. In other words, commodity money retains its value. It lasts over time. It protects savers. It protects wealth. It protects your labor that you previously have spent yes. that you're storing in that money for a later date to buy stuff you need. And I, and I think we're going to have this period of time Ian, in which that comes back and it's going to be the secondary market. You're going to have the central banks you know, paying us in central bank digital currency and us paying taxes and CBDCs mm-hmm. and all that stuff but to protect yourself long-term, it's gonna be the commodity money that does it. I think, in my opinion, what are your thoughts on that?
1: 100% Rob, couldn't have put it better. And uh, I think we need to expound a little bit more on what these CBDCs are, because Mm. they're not just CBDCs. The Bank of International Settlements has got the hardware and software linking them all into a world CBDC. That's right. Or whatever they call it, you know, you could call it the market of beast. It could be 999, whatever we want, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 666. It, it's um, The trap has been laid, and most people are going to fall into it because they haven't got the headspace or a capacity or they haven't got the concept that how things are now financially will cease. It'll be a pivotal change. Um, we'll have like a ground zero in effect. But it's going to be more than just having a digital dollar or a digital pound or a digital euro. They will be linked, and I'm pretty certain they've got the plans to actually have a fixed exchange rate. Permanently fixed. So, therefore, it's a world currency. So, wow. now not only will we have nefarious people in, the, in, a, in our central banks controlling who gets what, where they can use it, how long they've got to use it, um, every penny will be coded in effect. They can choose right. what you do with it, what you can't do with it. Mm-hmm. Not only will our individual governments have that power, now there will be a central world government that will have that power. Mm-hmm. And it will happen very, very quickly. As far as I understand, the hardware and the software is in place. They, they all, all of these so-called separate currencies have been designed to be inter, you know, completely interconnected.
0: Yeah, we cl- call that the global rails system because you can slide any currency you want across. Think of train tracks as rails. Yeah, they needed to build a rail system so you can put all these various trains on the same track. So you could have your, ...your digital Euro train, you can have your digital Yuan train, digital Dollar train, digital Pound train, digital Yen train... ...but the trains can all go down the same rail, okay? And that's what people may not understand with Central Bank Digital Currencies. Yes, every Central Bank is going to issue its own, partly because that's the limit of the, the current version of the blockchain system. You can't make one currency handle everything, it won't work. It's not. It needs to be federated because of the technology we have now. Until atomic computing comes about, we can't make a true one-world currency... We can do regionalized currencies. So what they're going to do in this early model is they've got to build a rail system to move those train cars and move those currencies down. Eventually, they may have the technology to build a single world currency, but that's years away, in my opinion. So I think what they're doing now is building federated currencies. And I think the research that the IMF did around central bank digital currencies was it would take at least a generation to get people into them and fully accepting because it takes a generation to get people into new monetary regimes. So I think this is the intermediate system that you talked about, nationalized uh, digital currencies people can identify with. You call it the digital dollar. People will assume it's the same as the physical one, even though it's not. And then they need the rail system to connect all these, and they'll have exchange rates between the dollar and the yen and the pound. But eventually, I think they're going to try to move into like a super currency, if you will. Uh, I think that's what, what, what we're progressing towards, and I think it's going to completely eliminate when this happens, and it may be some years down the road. It'll completely eliminate national boundaries, and that's probably the scariest thing of it. And again, the only way to operate outside that system is to have commodity money. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the only way you're gonna you're gonna be able to have any honesty in your individual transactions, have any value over time in in your transactions, is to have commodity money. So I keep talking about gold and silver, and I'll never stop. For this reason, is as many people as we can get to get involved in this, it that's going to build the ability for us to be able to to buy a chicken to buy a loaf of bread to get gas without being in their system and having their devalued cbdc's in my opinion that's just what i see
1: yeah um i i think the process is going to be a whole lot quicker than we we anticipate as well rob because you Mm -hmm. look at what's happening with bank branches so if if you're say an 80 year old who doesn't have a smartphone Mm. doesn't have an internet connection or a laptop or a computer their local branch shuts they're now excluded from the traditional banking system hmm. so the exclusion has actually been happening on mass i mean hmm. the figures are huge the low number of branches closing down and they have the excuse that there isn't the, the 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 footfall needed but then the branches that are open they have an hour or two hour lines people waiting to do a transaction or, or needing to talk to a human to sort out a problem uh, I found that down in Houston at Christmas. I took my mother-in-law to the bank to do some banking and we, we, I had to get a chair for and keep moving the chair along in the line. It took three quarters of an hour to get to the one teller that was operating in a bank. Everything else was terminals. It's,
0: it's interesting st- you say mm. that years ago, about eight or nine years ago, um, when I was working a full time job in North Texas, I went to a local Bank of America branch. I had an account in Bank of America. And I walked into the branch, and they had put two-inch-thick bulletproof glass all around the teller windows, and they had installed new metal doors. So it wasn't like those half doors. A lot of tellers walked behind the counter. It was full bulletproof glass. They had reinforced all the entryways to get back there. And, of course, they had reinforced access to the vault as well, which is along that same path, along that same hallway. So I think that they were picking that branch because it was in a wealthy part of the particular town I was in to be the branch. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, they started closing down a lot of branches. And now when I do, I don't use Bank of America anymore, but when I do searches for bank branches, if I'm traveling, I need an ATM. You'll notice how mostly it's ATMs now, Ian, and it's not the branches. And I agree yeah. with you. I think they're going to centralize on certain branches and force people to go digital. I think they want to force yeah. people to get in to a machine so you're yeah. used to putting your card or using your phone in some machine format that you don't do the physical anymore and then the physical branches, I think they're reinforcing so that if people get angry and want to go talk to a person, yeah. you know You're
1: not
0: <laughs> yeah you, you know and 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 it's good to protect the tellers because the tellers are not part of the scheme they're just worker yeah. bees, so yeah. I'm glad that the tellers would be protected, but there could be an incident, somebody could bring a gun or somebody yeah. you know could bring a Molotov cocktail, yeah, and I think these banks are to some extent preparing for that, and have been I think for ten years and it's it's a little anecdote. But I've noticed this occurring, and it's interesting that you mention that because I see the same thing in, in my area.
1: And, and and the other thing I've I've seen they're, they're shutting branches with virtually no notice. I mean, yeah, I've heard exactly. of cases of people depositing a check, so paying in a check, and, and then they go back, and next day the branch is closed, and the and the checkers, now where is it? <laughs> I've heard of people there, large sums of money lost in the system.
0: Yeah, there was a bank that I used back when I traveled a lot and needed a bank instead of credit union, I had a bank. We just recently closed it. They closed the branch nearest me and forced me. to have to drive an extra 30 minutes. And this is a major bank. And I'm thinking you have no branch within 45 minutes of any direction of me. I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth Metroplex of 8 million people. I'm thinking, is this good business? And then I realized it's perfect business. It's a transition into a new system. And when, when you look
1: at it from that perspective, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, basically we're being herded into into a trap and most Uh people don't don't realize it i think it was grant williams did the um metaphor of if you want to catch wild boar Uh and when wild boar can smell humans two miles off there's no chance you're going to walk into their territory and catch them so you go in you put a fence just put a straight fence and you go away for a few months and they get used to the fence it's part of their environment and you go back and you build a fence at right angles to it When you go away, they get used to it. And you go back and you build another fence. So now you've got a U-shaped fence. They get used to it, you go away. You come back and you put another fence with a gate in it, closing off the last side of the square. You leave Mm. the gate open, you go away. The wild boar get used to it. Then you go back and you shut the gate and you've caught them. And that's what's happening. It's like shooting fish in a barrel at that point. Yeah, it's trapping people. They're getting used to the changes. we're naturally biased to what's happened in the recent past we think it's going to carry on into the future we don't expect any sudden changes but it doesn't have to be sudden and i mean we're forever talking about the the reset but what if it's a reshaping that's just happening day on day week on week month on month little thing here little thing there a bank branch closing there this happening here coins getting withdrawn because of hygiene or or inefficiency piece by piece then you go from over a period of two or three years, you look at it as a whole, it is a massive reset has happened just mm-hmm. incrementally, piece by piece.
0: It's another aspect of what we call the Great Reset, and the Great Reset is just not the financial crash. Many other things, and and we could do a whole new video on that. We'll save that for another topic. I wanted to end up this interview in, again, talking about available silver. Just reiterate for people who may just join the program they're watching, talk about just real briefly again, what you're seeing in the wholesale market and then give us the ways in which viewers can contact you if they're interested in getting silver
1: yeah sure um, they can call me on mm-hmm. 307-264-9441 okay Get straight through to me um still have a fair large quantity of the 40 percent kennedy halves at the mm-hmm. gold silver pros 99 cents mm-hmm. it's shown as 129 on the website We can still source thousand-ounce bars for the larger investor. Um, Uh I think I've got 145 on the website premium. I can probably get that down to 125 currently. And then hopefully I'm placing a large order to add to what I've got on the way of the Armenian one-ounce Noah's Arcs, and they're going to be about 490 premium. Uh And then everything else, I think, it's just really expensive. Kilos have gone up a dollar, so they're more like three dollars an ounce. Um, managed to get some beautiful little chunky 10 ounce bars, but now oh, those they're are cool, yeah. They're beautiful. I mean, if you want as a gift, as a paperweight, they make a beautiful, beautiful paperweight. Um, uh, I can get those for about four dollars premium, okay. But I think it's expensive so I find it hard to recommend them. Uh, so well, yeah, you're
0: scouring all your wholesalers for yeah. silver that you can bring as cheap as possible. That's why you don't have a full store that has everything because you're not out there to make money off the premiums. You're out there to bring the cheapest silver. That's yeah. one reason we have it on the program because that's your goal. Cheapest yeah. silver I can find for people. And at this point, I'll be honest with you, it does not matter how you get your silver. Just get the damn silver <laughs> because yes. we're seeing shortages. And Ian, yeah. Yeah. just to reiterate in the beginning of the broadcast, was saying all of his wholesalers have different spot prices what that means is wholesalers have different ways of getting their silver and they have different spot prices because what we see in the derivative market is not indicative of the actual physical trade and different places it's getting harder to get that's why the spot prices are now not all unified you're seeing different spot prices depending upon how that wholesaler gets its metal and we're seeing rising premiums like 40 bucks for an ounce of silver eagle that normally would be you know, that, that spot is 25. So you're seeing a lot of this bifurcation and I would say price instability in the silver market. Yeah. And that's why you want to come to Arc Silver because you're looking for stuff that you can get the cheapest to offset people's risk. So if they yes. go somewhere else, they may yeah. pay $10 premiums for something you can get for four or $3 premiums, something you can get for a buck 25. So the, the way that you play this this price swing in silver and the instability in the spot market that we're seeing is just to go get it cheapest. And and that's why we bring Arc Silver on. So you can reach out to Ian, the number he gave you. You can go to our website, goldsilverpros.com, click on precious metals deals and click on get access to Arc Silver deals. We have a form there. You just fill it out, put your, your name, your address, your phone number and what you want. It goes to Ian and his account managers. They'll give you a call back or an email back and they'll work with you on whatever budget you have. And I think Ian, you work with people regardless of what their budget is, right?
1: Yeah, my minimum purchase is one war nickel. So, yeah, 1 18th of an ounce of silver. <laughs> so, I literally, mean, just...
0: no matter what yeah. your budget is, yeah. Ian will help you guys out.
1: Yeah. And if you want to accumulate an order over several weeks or several months till it's sufficient to, to post it, I will do that at no extra charge.
0: Awesome. Ian, thank you so much for coming on the program again. Like we said, you know, travel permitting will have you on every other week. You give great reports on what's going on in the industry, you're very transparent. And we thank you for putting together a business whose sole purpose is just to help to get silver in the hands of people as cheap as possible. And, you know, we appreciate you doing that. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for listening to the Gold Silver Pros podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube and Twitter. See you next time.